Hello, and welcome to Signify Lighting Talks. My name is Jonathan Weinert, editor for the global brand and marketing team at Signify. This podcast series is our unbiased, unvarnished, and always engaging educational companion. It's an addition to what we bring to you via the Signify Academy, which you can find online at signify.com academy. In this series of episodes, we cover the intriguing and thought-provoking world of connected lighting. Hello, everyone, and welcome. In this episode of the Light That Connects podcast series, I'm pleased to be speaking with Harry Verhar, Head of Public and Government Affairs at Signify. Harry joins us today to talk about climate action, energy efficiency, where we are and what we need to do. Hello, Harry, and welcome. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be uh, with you and uh, to share some thoughts and, and progress on and reflections uh, on, on the challenges that we are facing on energy and climate. So I'm responsible for public and government affairs. And, and basically, a large part of the work is on, on tackling those challenges. So how can we accelerate action on climate for the benefit of all of us? <clears throat> how can we accelerate the energy transition for reasons I think that are really obvious, certainly the last uh, the last year? And what I would like to say there is that I started off in, in technology, so working on fluorescent lighting, which is interestingly the same technology as as, as works for LEDs. But uh, from the first day on that I worked, I believed in, um, yeah, that's any, let's say, the best solutions, the real solution that we need for the future. They combine economical, environmental and social benefits, uh, social benefits for people. And that's what that's what has been guiding me and that will be guiding me also in the way forward. Wonderful, Harry. So um, you're, you frequently talk with and collaborate with governments, municipal decision makers, NGOs and so on about climate action. You attend the major climate related events around the world from Climate Week New York City to the annual Smart City World Expo in Barcelona to the COP meetings, COP 2027 and 2022 and COP28 coming up very shortly this year. Um, how are we doing? Uh, the headlines are often alarming, uh, but is there good news to share? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit uh, mixed. Huh? So the, um, what you see in those meetings, I think there are a lot of people who want to do what is uh, what is right for our future. Uh, I, I've once had, a, let's say, the famous last question in the panel, are you a pessimist or an optimist? But I'm a concerned optimist. So I'm, I'm an optimist because the direction that we're taking with efficiency, renewable energy, electrification of heating, uh, electric vehicles, that, that, that direction is unstoppable. So those solutions are better for our wallets. Huh? They are better for the the quality of a living environment, huh? clean air, less noise. Uh, but then I'm concerned because the speed of progress is too slow. Uh, you could say basically in every area, if it's efficiency, renewables, electric vehicles, huh? we need to double the speed of action. So that will be, yeah, that will be a, a large part of what we talk about. And sometimes you can feel a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit fed up with all the talking because we need to convert it into action. And so we'll talk a lot about examples that we have. So we'll touch upon that in, in, in this uh, podcast. Uh, but also what I feel strongly about is that it matters how we spend our time. So yes, at COP28 in Dubai, there will be a lot of talking. But what is important is that we spend our time in, in what I call the 10-20-70 rule. So we should spend 10% of our time on inspiration. So why do we need let's say to change the let's say the speed what, what is this better future that we all trying to create and 20 percent of the time we should spend on aspiration so how much should be done by whom and by when 
but then 70% of the time we should spend on what I call perspiration. So rolling up our sleeves and getting the job done. And there's a lot still to be done. So that is why this is 70%. And also there, what matters is, um, yeah, we need results. We need to bend the curve. We still see what is in the news, uh, even in the last couple of days, that global emissions are still rising. And they need to be cut roughly by half in 2030. Um, so we need to bend the curve, showing how that yeah a lot of action where national governments and international bodies like the UN, they define yeah frameworks and agreements and like the Paris Agreement. But the action is really in cities, because this is where most projects are, where most consumption is, where most people are, and with companies. So if the two of them have find ways to work closer together and to switch gears on action, then there is a message of hope. It is possible. The direction is unstoppable, but it's a speed that matters. You spoke just now about doubling the speed of action, uh, and I know that the Global Renewables Alliance recently launched a double down, triple up campaign that focuses on energy efficiency and renewable power capacity. Uh, what does this really mean, double down, triple up, and, and what does it mean when we talk about an energy transition? Yes, yeah, so I said indeed we need to double the speed of action. It's on renewables, indeed, they've been saying uh, triple. The speed, but um, yeah, doubling down on energy efficiency is that we mean that we need to double what is called the annual rate of energy efficiency improvement. So, how much more efficient do we make our infrastructure, our transport, and our buildings per year? And if you talk about buildings where most of lighting is being used, which is the sector where we can contribute to efficiency, then it means increasing renovation rates, renovation rates of buildings around the world. So, irrespective of where you are. Are hovering around one percent per year, and if you're really kind, you would say like, okay, maybe they come to one and a half percent per year. So they need to double to what I call the magic three percent per year. And and the more that let's say that we that we the, the, the longer we are slow, the more that three percent needs to be. But then three percent per year, and the more or less you can you can do the math till 2050, almost 30 years, three percent per year, and then we will have made our buildings efficient. And also what is relevant there is we see a lot of talk on the energy supply side. Uh, so uh, certainly last winter, so where do we find alternative gas in Europe? Uh, so where do we create more renewables, which is of course uh, super good, but also a lot of talk about uh, hydrogen and nuclear. And while we will need those, it will decades for those to yeah, to reach scale and impact. And we don't have that time. We can't just wait for the supply side. So for all of these alternative low carbon carbon free energies uh, yeah to power our economies and our lives uh, we need to look at the demand side and the demand side is also what the international energy agency and the ipcc which is the un climate science body what they've shown already over the past couple of years <clears throat> if you look at the demand side energy saving that's energy saving that needs to contribute 40 to 50 percent of all the efforts of reducing global emissions and this is simply because we waste so much. Uh, roughly, we waste half of the energy that we produce. So you produce it, you pay for it, and you throw it away, uh, which is which is yeah understandable, which is not only a waste on our economy, and that is also household budgets, city budgets, uh, but also causing yeah twice as much uh, global emissions as what we would otherwise have. There's really an enormous potential there. So if you look at lighting, have we seen? I think you will agree, huh? so not to tap ourselves on the back, huh? but we are seen by many as belong to the good guys. Huh? We do a lot of work on efficiency, we bring LEDs to the markets, 
we phased out all the old light, most of, of the old lighting, incandescent halogen, and now also fluorescent. Sometimes have did a lot of debates <laughs> on why this needs to happen, but in the end, uh, people today, uh, they see that the LEDs are much more efficient, so friendly on the energy bill. And then also, you can, yeah, they're also digital, you can play with the atmosphere, with, with apps on your phone, all kinds of cool things. Uh, but then, yeah, while we in our business are 85% of LED, in Europe and in the US, still 50% of all the light points are all technology. Now we call it conventional, huh? so the, the types of products that I just mentioned. So even in our sector, uh, there's a huge potential. And we need a little help from politicians because uh, we can work on technology, we can work on business models. But also a large part of the global economy is determined by public procurement. So what governments buy or what they influence in buying. And quite often they look at the lowest uh, price tag. So what does it cost huh, on, on day one to purchase a, a certain product, huh, let's say a light bulb or something else. But then over life, over lifetime, over the use time of that product, how hey, you pay the price. Uh, so also uh, this example on procurement needs, needs to change uh, to a lifetime perspective. I call it circuit procurement. So next to the ambition level, <clears throat> so the aspiration that we spoke about, it is also important to have those policies in place that make us do the right thing, that make us take the right, right decisions, and that bring that triple, that triple benefit that we very much need. Also, I imagine that uh, doubling renovation rates in buildings and increasing the um, pace of uh, energy efficient lighting retrofits has uh, knock on effects that it can can improve quality of life uh, including creating uh, jobs uh, is that is that right harry yeah that's <clears throat> that's really important uh jonathan said um that i don't know all the global numbers but europe over the past uh, decades uh, imports about uh, depending a bit on the on the price uh, for 1 billion euro of fossil fuel per day uh, just not just calculate how much it means per household and per capita and if we if we double the rate of efficiency improvements so if we if we double renovation rates in buildings uh, then we can move away from importing costly fossil fuel to employing people uh, every there's a bit of a rule of thumb that every one million euro or one million dollars that is invested in energy efficiency measures creates between 15 and 20 jobs, depending, of course, also on, on the pay rates in a certain country. Uh, so you would employ a lot of people. Uh, some people uh, will be developing, further developing those technologies or being, let's say, producing those. But most of those people that we talk about will be putting in double or triple glazing. They will be changing the lights in the ceilings and in the streets. They will put in building management systems. They will install batteries in your home. And so those are good local jobs huh, of people who do really good work, who deserve uh, yeah, a decent pay, and who would not be in social welfare because they would be doing this work, uh, replacing those costly uh, fossil fuel imports. And then also in terms of quality of life, we have experience where the indoor environment feels more, yeah, let's say feels healthier, more productive. Uh, so people feel better, huh? they feel more comfortable we see examples in cities uh, where safety is improved. Uh, and of course, when you use less fossil fuel, uh, quality improves. Huh? So people yeah, will have less, uh, let's say, uh, asthma and bronchitis uh, because of that. Well, to hear you talk, it seems like a no-brainer to make this shift. I mean, uh, the difference between importing a, bil a billion euros worth of fossil fuels per year versus creating jobs and uh, create, uh, increasing, uh, improving quality of life for people seems obvious, um, but I think there's still some confusion around uh, 
the relationship between energy efficiency and sustainability. And um, I know you talked uh, already about uh, job creation and so on, um, but could you say maybe a little bit more to help people understand exactly how energy efficiency plays into the larger picture uh, of sustainability? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you you could think like energy efficiency is is an invisible form of energy. Yeah? So it's not like um, let's say as a political leader or a CEO that you cut a ribbon huh, to a new wind farm or a solar plant uh, or an electric vehicle factory, yeah, which is also happening, fortunately. Uh, but it, it's as I mentioned, it's really sizable. So if you actually turn it into monetary value, huh, so what I mentioned about Europe. Europe would be saving 65 billion euros per year if they just do the lighting and then all the other things said then can be done as well on energy efficiency. There are also completely different examples. Huh? So uh, we, we've calculated that if Europe would, let's say, change all the lights that are still all technology, it frees up, I call it then freeing up electricity that can charge 47 million electric vehicles per year. It can power 55 million heat pumps. Huh? So that's 55 million households that could use that electricity uh, to power their heat pump and move away huh, from gas boilers and, and what you have. Um, and this is also really important. I live in the south of the Netherlands uh, in an area, the Eindhoven area, if you know the city, but the Eindhoven area is called Brainport. There are a lot of high tech companies here. Amongst them ourselves, of course, but also a few others. Have you sometimes called this the Silicon Valley of Europe? And it's it's really true. GDP growth is six percent here. It's higher than in China. But the grid is at capacity. There are hundreds of companies that are waiting for more electricity. Last week, also an an area just uh, north of uh, Amsterdam said we need to stop building new houses, new homes for people, huh, which are very much needed because we have a shortage in housing. But there's not enough electricity to power those homes. Uh, so hey, you see there, that's also another phase, of, another phase of of energy efficiency. If you waste less in one area, hey, you can power another area. And a really striking example, maybe to end up on on, on this, is then is the war in the Ukraine. Uh, so we've seen now uh, that. Uh, let me give one example more there. If Germany would just do the street lighting. Uh, they can power 500,000 heat pumps, which ha happens to be <laughs> the annual target in moving away uh, from Russian gas, but also in the Ukraine. So the, we were contacted uh, exactly one year ago uh, by the Ukrainian government. Uh, they were starting to think, how can we save electricity? Because then we can keep the lights on for people while some of the ele electricity grid is being destroyed uh, by the war. So we provided them with uh, in, in, a, in a European funded uh, program with a large amount of LED lights so that actually those households for free could change uh, each five incandescent halogen to LEDs and thereby you keep the lights on. So for, for that, you could say for the basic safety and well-being. So there are so many faces on, on energy efficiency. Yeah, the, the, the logic fits in a nutshell, huh? but then how to get it done. Well, it sounds like there's an enormous potential impact in simply replacing conventional uh, incandescent and fluorescent light sources with LED. Uh, but we also talk about uh, at, at Signify uh, connected lighting, um, which kind of takes lighting to another level of uh, control, another level of, uh, of energy efficiency. Could you talk a little bit about how connected lighting comes into the picture and what it adds uh, to what you've already discussed? 
Yeah, that's a good point uh, because this is indeed where the, the where more of the positive news comes in, <coughs> in and let's say in turning this into action, because uh, LEDs are digital, uh, so they have an IP address. You can see the performance uh, in, in in programs on your laptop or on any dashboard, but it also means uh, that while the logic of energy efficiency fits in a nutshell, energy efficiency is very distributed because uh, we use very many small amounts of energy in very many places and very many light points and are close to 30 billion light points in the world. But how do you add them up and how do you how do you create a project that is large enough uh, for a bank to finance that is large enough for a city mayor or the CEO to catch their attention? Huh? So to make it sizable. And this is where the digital nature. <coughs> sorry, this is where the digital nature of LEDs comes in because uh, you can then connect all those light points. So for part, you connect them technically. We launched a few years ago. An, an internet uh, platform called Interact. And that's an open platform. I sometimes call it the Android of lighting. So you can, can already get a feeling of it. So the Android of lighting is called Interact. And that means that on that open platform, you have a dashboard in front of a city mayor's face or his team. As a, as a company, you have a dashboard and you see all the light points in your city, all the light points in your building to see how they perform. You can actually project uh, how much energy will be saved, but then also having all those light points combined, huh, for instance, in a city, then the city mayor, for instance, would have like 50,000 light points. Okay, that's a rather large project. He can call just, let's say, one number, have one bank for financing, and from the one day to the other, uh, taking installation time, of course, in between, they can save a lot of energy, and they ca can improve um, yeah, also the safety and, and security in their city. Harry, you talked a little bit about what actions uh, Signify has taken over the last few years in terms of uh, making our company uh, and our operations energy efficient and uh, more sustainable. Um, what actions would you recommend the people who are listening to our voices right now? Uh, what actions can they take? What 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 um, can they do to make real measurable progress on climate action uh, today? Yeah, so first of all, we need to realize that today's delays are tomorrow's sorrows. So we really feel you need to lead the creation of the future that we that we need collectively. As a company, we cannot be successful in a society that fails. And any household, any entity, any city can neither be successful in an environment that fails. So that means in terms of actions, that it is relevant to speak out. Uh, but also to lead and to walk the talk. Uh, so by the end of 2006, uh, we felt that it was important uh, to show uh, what we the potential was in lighting. Uh, so we called for the global phase out of incandescent light bulbs. Now today it's sheer logic, <laughs> but at the time, I can tell you, I was in a lot of public debates in Europe, in the US, and also in all other countries, because this became a global program, because people just couldn't imagine that something that had been there for more than 100 years was disappearing. It was also still two thirds of our sales volume. Can you imagine 16 years ago? And now it's gone. And also it saves us a lot of, let's say, a lot of emissions and a lot of money. But also in, in 2015, when the Paris climate uh, meeting took place and nobody knew that the Paris Agreement would come out. So again, we thought, OK, how can we contribute to the momentum? How can we make sure? How can we help? A positive outcome because only six years earlier in Copenhagen there was no agreement because people were looking at their own self-interest and they didn't want to share uh, things that were in common interest. 
So in Paris, we did Midway that conference. We launched a commitment to become carbon neutral in five years time, so by 2020, and we did it. But what is really interesting is that in the past decade, including has some years that we started earlier on that, we reduced our energy consumption by 70%, which also means we reduced our energy expenditure by 70%. We made our buildings more comfortable. And also we are attracting a lot of talent, uh, but also seasoned professionals in any function, they want to work with us. So maybe that part of the message is, um, yeah, lead to creation of the future that, that we need. Uh, see what you can contribute in your area. Uh, drive electric, insulate your home, because all those little bits have will add up to something that is really massively uh, sizable and important. Uh, but also then we'll also talk to governments and what they can do. Huh? They need to implement uh, policies that will help accelerate. They need to shorten decision times huh, on uh, on permits. And also then particularly they need to engage with uh, companies and with cities that are in the lead. So that because also that's where the action takes place. If you do something, it always proves to be a little bit more complicated than you imagine on the first day when you start, but then learn on the way. And the learning that cities and companies like ourselves have can also be used to fine-tune policies huh, or to further shift funding and financing mechanisms. And if you look at examples of projects where this has been done, there are some really great projects. Huh? So quite early, yeah, years ago, had Los Angeles changed the street lighting. They saved $10 million a year. Buenos Aires was one of the first. Huh? They didn't even get financing, but they financed it progressively with every savings that kicked in every month and when they did a few thousand streetlights. But what is also really interesting is that a couple of years ago, there was a city association called uh, the World Council on City Data. They looked into those cities that had changed to connected uh, street lighting, huh? so to interact city, as we call it. And they found confirmation huh, of 50% savings in LA, 70% savings in Buenos Aires, but also Jakarta, Madrid, lots of other cities have done this. But they also found there was a 30% reduction in nighttime traffic accidents. And there was a 21% reduction in street crimes, assaults and burglary. And do you know why? So technically with LED lighting, you'd say white light is white light, but with LED lighting, you have a better vertical recognition. So you see faces and, and things, you see them better. So logically people make less mistakes, so fewer traffic accidents, and they're less naughty or, or let's say, or prone, prone to committing crimes, so there's less street crime. So this is really what I started off with at the beginning, what keeps us up night and day and what keeps us, yeah, what, let's say what directs the work we do at Signify uh, to find solutions that are good for the quality of a living environment, which is something of a common good for all of us, which are good for the economy, be it a city, national, uh, household, economy, our economy as a company, because also this is part of our survival, but above all and beyond that provides good lighting for people, uh, let's say for comfortable homes, for safe cities, for productive working environments. Um, but then in the end, yeah, we can only do this together. And that is why we are seeking further and, and working hard on further cooperations with the international governments, but particularly also with cities and with other companies that are, that are really wanting to accelerate. Because that's that's what counts, uh, that we keep course, but that we that we step on the on the pedal, I won't say the gas, but if we step on the panel and we switch gears towards a better future. I want to thank you very much, Harry, for joining us today. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of action that needs to be taken and urgently. 
but it's also good to hear the messages of hope that you're that you're bringing today because I think that helps people to understand that we can do it, uh, that we have to do it, and uh, that we've already started, and that we can keep going. Yeah, thank you, John. A pleasure to join, and um, yeah, we'll do our bits. But anybody can count on us or contact us. Um, let's say to to join the effort. In light of that, I invite you all to check out the links in the podcast description to a series of articles from Signify for the sustainability project from Economist Impact to give a little more context around the issues that Harry's been speaking about with us today. Everything's connected, and if you read these articles, you'll see a little bit more about how energy efficient lighting and connected LED lighting can support climate action initiatives globally. On behalf of Signify and our guest today, Harry Verhar, I want to thank you very much for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of Light That Connects. Signify Lighting Talks is a podcast series featuring the leading thinkers and speakers from the world of lighting. My name is Jonathan Weinert. On behalf of Signify, the global leader at lighting, I wish you a brighter life and a better world.